0: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today john Heyman is uh, is joining us here odyssey baseball insider tell you about the podcast the uh, best insider in the business john uh, welcome aboard i'm just receiving the news here in the past few minutes of the passing of dave wills the radio voice of the tampa bay rays i i, I am stunned by this because uh, number one, I was sitting with Dave on Tuesday uh, here at Disney's. World they had a, you know one game that the Rays played at Disney's Wide World of Sports against the Yankees, and I was sitting there with him and and Andy and Neil and the whole crew. And I guess they did yesterday's Yankees Rays game because Susan Walben uh, was. I was just talking to her, and the unexpected passing of of, of Dave Wills. This is taking everyone. You know, this is shocking news, uh, John. What do we know? Yeah, I just saw the
1: email, very sad, a very nice fellow. I met him years ago. I think he'd been with that club probably close to 20 years as their radio announcer and only 58 years old. Um, I do not know any more than that, and uh, I'm with you on that very, very sad and shocking news. Uh, Yeah. You know, too bad. It's very sad.
0: Well, our thoughts and prayers then go to uh, everyone in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. They're the nicest people you're ever going to want to meet. Uh, Dave and his family and, and, and Tampa Bay Rays supporters. Uh, but some shocking news. A, a guy that worked a game yesterday uh, at Steinbrenner Field. Uh, and hopefully we'll get some more information uh, as the uh, as the day goes on. But uh, let's get to what you cover on a daily basis, which is the progress, obviously, of all the teams in Major League Baseball. Let me start, John, with your take. I, you know, where is the, the gold mine that the ownership of the San Diego Padres is, where are they digging out? Where are they finding these nuggets of gold? What's going on here as far as the expenditures of what is considered a medium to small market team? Yeah, I mean, I, I,
1: it's amazing. Um,
0: you know, I, I can
1: only speculate. You know, obviously we know if Steve Cohn gets the money, uh, you know, he's a very, very, very rich man, not like uh, these other owners who are just very rich men. Um you know, $20 billion, but I, there is no other owner who's even close to that. Only the Nats ownership, but Lerner family is even at half that amount. And they're they're trying to get out. So, um, yeah, I, Peter Seidler, give him credit. Uh, part of the O'Malley family, the Dodger family has come down there and he's uh, given the Dodgers a hard time by putting a, a team together that frankly to me looks better than the Dodgers right now. Um, and my, my only speculation would be that he bought the team at a very, very reasonable, I would say, bargain price, um, and uh, now, you know, is the owner, and, uh, you know, if you sell off limited shares uh, for, you know, let's say, many times what you bought them for, uh, you know, then you certainly have made a major profit. Uh, you know, that would be my only speculation because you're right about it being middle to small market. I, you know, I would consider it mid-market in terms of size. It's 12th, but they're hemmed in there by Mexico and uh, Pacific Ocean. So geographically they're in it. And 90 miles north is obviously the Dodgers, the behemoth team. So, and they have a fairly weak TV deal with Valley, which we, as, as we all know, is in a bit of trouble. So, um, you know, I, I am anticipating they will lose money this year, at least on the books and, uh, You fairly lose money, and uh, give Peter Seidler credit. He wants to win, wants to do everything he can to win, and uh, just amazing. Who would have thought they have four, I believe, of the top 14 contracts ever signed? Two of them were with the same guy, Manny Machado, but four of the top 14 contracts, San Diego Padres. No one could have anticipated that.
0: Is Tatis... What, he gets cleared, what does he get cleared to play, John? Is it about 20 games into the season?
1: Yeah, April 20th is uh, the estimate at this moment. I think that's probably going to be correct within a day or so. And, you know, he's in the games uh, occasionally stealing and uh, taking advantage of the new rule. Uh, looks good. And uh, hopefully he can stay on the straight and narrow. He's got their Manny Machado there to make sure that he does. And Juan Soto, uh, you know, a couple of mo- young but more mature guys and uh you know to have a team with four superstars at the top of the lineup one through four uh i cannot remember a team like that before it's a very exciting thing in san diego and you know it's the only game in town you know so obviously they had the benefit of the chargers leaving and you know he has the impetus of wanting to win the first championship hard to believe san diego it's not that small a market they've never had a major championship in any sport and uh that's what they're aiming for. You know, it's it's not easy, and uh, they're not overwhelming favorites, but they're certainly in the top five, and they have a shot this year.
0: All right, now you follow this closer than just about anybody else. We know the kind of money that Soto turned down in Washington. There, there's a four in front of it, not even a three. There's a four <laughs> in front of it. John, can they go there? Can the Padres? Can. Do they well, get close to what the Nationals offered him, or or is Scott Boras going to have to come back down to earth a little bit?
1: Well, I mean, I, I saw AJ Pro the Padres GM on the street in Scottsdale the other day. He just happened to walk past him. We were the only two I could see on the street, and he pointed out to me that uh, Soto has a 440 on base over the last three years. Well, 440 is also the number that he was offered at $440 million, as you met, just mentioned. Coincidentally, as I and I told that to Breller, and you know he kind of went past that. They're going to have to go past that. I mean, I know he wasn't himself. You know, when he went over there, he was a little better in the playoffs, but wasn't quite himself in the last couple of months of the season, adjusting. He's out. I'm out. I was out there for the last. Uh, week I'm with the Mets now today in Jupiter, but I was out in Phoenix. Uh, Soto was hitting about 750 with a with a 2000 OPS. So he's not coming down from 440. He's two years from free agency. I talked to him. He said he'll listen. We're waiting, he and Scott Boris are waiting, and they'll have a conversation. And I, the Padres are uh, sharp enough to know that they're going to have to go past the 440. He's not going to take less uh, to sign there. That said, I think I I would say at this point it's not a great likelihood they get this done. But who who would have thought they'd get Machado done, or or make the Hater trade, or get Tatis done for three hundred forty million? I mean, nobody would thought any of these things. This is a little tougher though, because you got probably the top hitter overall or all around hitter in the game, either he or Judge, and you've got Scott Boras, you know, lives for these moments where you get a player like this a uh, Generational player, as he would say, who's a free agent in less than two years.
0: It's going to be, you know, hard to believe if they get that, and then Josh Hader. How, what's he going to come in under? I mean, he, yeah, he, I mean, he turned he turned his season around, John, when he got to the to the playoffs with the Padres. He looked like well, the I old hater. Right. I mean, either he or Clase
1: or Diaz are the best closers in the game, and uh, yeah, he had a couple of he uh, it's a rough transition and had a little bit of a tough time his last few weeks in Milwaukee. But other than that, he's basically been the best closer in the game over the last three, four years. So he's got to be right there uh, with Diaz, probably set the market at $102 going to have to be in that ballpark. That one I could see getting done. I mean, he's a year for free agency. It's a pitcher, relief pitcher. You know, if you're a pitcher, you're a little more nervous about how things are going to go. Soto has nothing to be nervous about. Soto's 24 years old. So, I mean, that's an unusual case. And I think that one's going to be tough. Uh, I think they've got a shot with Hayter.
0: Interesting. We're talking to John Heyman. All right, let's let's turn our attention to the WBC. That's the next big thing. Today's the last day for, uh, you know, the majority of these guys that are going to participate in the World Baseball Classic to get some swings with their teams. John, how much does it concern you that guys are going to go back now to play the WBC under the old rules. They're starting to get adjusted to some of the new rules. We see the time of, of game going down significantly. People are excited about this. The you know the the, the thought of, of being able to go to a ballpark during the season and getting home in time to get to work with some sleep the next day or, or maybe even kids being able to get to a game in April and May and, and, and being awake to go to school the next day because the pace of play is moving. How much of a a stopgap here uh, to the progress that we've made with, you know, our first spring training in, what, three years, the quote-unquote normal spring training after the pandemic, number one, and then number two, throwing a wrench into it a little bit with so many guys leaving for their respective WBC teams?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's clearly been an adjustment. First of all, I'll go on record here, and I, as I have before. I love the new rules, particularly the pitch clock. It, that's part has been the adjustment for the players. We're going to have to see how that banning of the shift and the other rules plays out over the course of time. But you can see that there is a major adjustment for a lot of these players, particularly the hitters, not, not really always the pitchers, but a lot of the hitters that struggled with the pitch clock I mean, I was at a game the other day. Xander Bogart had a plane to catch. He was going to leave, like, in the third inning. He was moving fast, and he got a violation. Well, having this on his mind that he had to uh, make his uh, flight to go join the, uh, the Netherlands team. Um, you know, uh, the other day, Mark Canna, uh there was a foul ball hit, just foul down the right field line he went to chase it. You know, threw it out of play, and then the pitcher has to go into the windup and start throwing. He was about 20, 30 feet out of position uh, when the pitcher threw the ball. And then the next one was like a like a little bleeder out in the right field. He had to run in, throw it in, and then, again, the pitcher has to throw the ball before he's back in position. And then he's the next batter up, and he's got to run into the dugout, run up to the batter's box. I mean, it's an unusual situation, but, I mean, Mark Canna, who's a pretty steady guy, I uh, here was – quite uh he apparently lost it over all this he was running around like a madman and absolutely exhausted uh you know that, that's not going to happen in every game but it's obviously a major adjustment the guys who go to wbc and have to go back and forth with the rules even more of an adjustment but uh look the minor leaguers adjusted the pitch clock i know with the major leaguers they talk to the media more there's going to be more discussion uh out loud about this and uh you know, it's going to be – it may be more of an adjustment for for big leaguers than it is for minor leaguers, but they're going to have to adjust. There's no, quest, there's no choice in the matter.
0: Are you sensing any momentum of enthusiasm, whether it be from, you know, the players themselves or, or fans? You're amongst, you know, the game in general. But is this WBC this year with everything going on with the game – is it kind of taking a backseat to the rule changes and everything else? Or are you starting to sense a little bit that people may be getting excited to watch, you know, country against country, flag against flag?
1: Well, I can tell you the players are excited. If you can see the teams that are uh, being fielded, the U- Team USA has an all-star team in the field. Obviously, it's more difficult for the pitchers. The uh, teams don't want their pitchers to go out- off their program and ramp it up. We can remember years ago, with Carlos Martinez, who, you know, was – supposed to be a young superstar pitcher ramped it up and was throwing 100 miles an hour in the wbc because you certainly want to win when you're playing for your country and you know he has not become that superstar that we all expect him to be was that the was that the reason we don't know but you know you look at the top 12 pitchers in baseball including cole scherzer verlander you know uh who are americans and there none of them are playing and it's certainly understandable you know a lot of them have had recent injuries uh verlander and a Tommy John a couple of years ago. Or, you know, some of them are close to 40 years old. Orlando also 40. Uh, and generally, the teams do not want them going off of their pitching program or taking any chances or really ramp it up and be throwing 100 miles an hour in these games. So there isn't that much enthusiasm from the teams, although, you know, they understand that it's a Major League Baseball production and they're not going to say much. I think the players are enthused about it. And the fact that you're going to have star players, particularly on the positional front, playing. I think fans will get into it more than ever this year. That's my... And Otani O'Tani's going to be pitching and hitting uh, the best player in the world. So that will add intrigue to the, to the uh, thing. I mean, I, I, I got to say, I am interested in the WBC this year. I'm planning to go to the finals, semifinals in Miami. I'm going to miss the others. But uh, there are a lot of spectacular players in the uh, WBC, and that's going to be what makes the tournament.
0: You read them in the New York Post, obviously. Uh, you've got podcasts with Joel Sherman. Lots going on. Odyssey, MLB Network, John Heyman. Let's shift our attention, John, into the local teams here. Mets have a few guys that are leaving. Your take so far, what you've seen, Buck Walter, the Mets camp up until now. Give some reason for Mets fans to be ready to go and enthusiastic on opening day. What have you seen that's good in Port St. Lucie?
1: Well, I mean, at the top of the rotation, uh, certainly Verlander looked good yesterday. We've got Senga today, which I saw you guys mentioned. It's going to be interesting to see what he does, very talented pitcher. Uh, they've got a terrific rotation. They've got a great team. I mean, you spent $364 million, You better have a great team. And, you know, some of the best players in this camp have been the kids. Mauricio, Beatty have been two of the best. Uh, I'm not sure there's room on the team for them. Uh, and they certainly will want them to get – Uh, at-bats every day, so uh, I'm not sure how they're going to make the team, but Mauricio and Beatty have been very impressive, and we're going to start to see Alvarez catching in the next day or two, and we know he's got big potential. He's either the top prospect or the second prospect in baseball, so a lot of good stuff uh, happening in in Mets camp.
0: As far as the Yankees are concerned, you know, all the calls we get, People want to see the youngsters. They want to see Peraza open the season at shortstop. Obviously, John, there are too many guys and not enough beds to people, for people to sleep in. You've got Lemehu You've got Glaber. You've got IKF. You've got Cabrera. You've got Peraza. You've got Volpe. There's not enough places for these guys to play. The left field is still a question mark, obviously. Right now, you guess you'd have to pencil in either Aaron Hicks or, or Oswaldo Cabrera. To be your opening day left fielder. Every time I see Brian Cashman, John, he's got the phone to his ear. It's almost like he's attached to the phone, you know, in his left ear. Any rumbling about the Yankees still maybe looking to make a deal to to, to get this roster a little bit more evened out? well in the winter they tried i mean they tried with donaldson
1: they tried with ikf and they didn't find any deals to their liking obviously the dodgers have an injury a shortstop now with gavin looks going down they have a miguel rojas who they counted on to be utility manager shortstop that would be logical uh that they could look at ikf potentially uh but they may be satisfied rojas is a good defender and and be okay with that so uh you know i think it's you know, we're still early in camp. I would still say Hicks is the favorite in left field from what I can tell. I, I have not been there. I'm going to go to Yankee camp in a couple of days. But uh, from everything I hear, Hicks is still the favorite in left field. And the shortstop, I think, is more of an open question. Volpe has uh, obviously been terrific. It's hard to see him making. only got 22 games at A. So hard to see him making that. So likely between Peraza and IKF at shortstop, I, I would say uh, – I can understand the fans wanting Peraza. He looked really good in the month that he was up with the Yankees. And uh, I'm not going to be shocked if Peraza is the guy uh, as the Yankee shortstop and IKF is the utility guy. We will see. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll be one of those two. And both of them will want to get, even though he's played great so far in camp, I, I think it's unlikely that he makes the team. Uh, Donaldson came in as a third baseman. I don't see how that changes. LeMay, who's a guy who can move all around. And – you know, for that reason, I think that he's going to move all around, and Donaldson will be the third baseman, and Torres likely the second baseman. That's the way it shapes up right now, but we still have three weeks to go before the
0: season begins. Is there any interest out there? Do you hear teams, because the one p- of, of, of that group of guys you just mentioned, if you're going to settle some pieces, then the logical guy to move would be Glaber Torres. Uh, he still you know relatively inexpensive. Uh, he's still got an upside. We may have seen the best of Glaber Torres already when he had that big power year a few years ago. He hasn't been the same player. Do you sense, John, that there's any interest around baseball? Are there any teams that are picking up the phone and asking Brian Cashman, you know, what his intentions are when it comes to Glaber Torres? Yeah, I mean, I'll
1: put him in that same bucket with uh, with. The- kind of falefa and donaldson it doesn't seem like there's that much interest i i think they could trade him but not get much back i think they could at least trade his contract donaldson they could not do that with after the offensive struggles he had last year they have to pay it way down if anybody would even take him at this point he was good defensively very good uh i think torres is probably worth about what his contract is which is close to 10 million dollars and they probably could trade him and not expect to get much back if there are teams out there with 10 million left in the budget other than the Padres and I think the Padres are full up right now on the infield so I don't see that I I just it just seems unlikely to me that they're going to make that move and they're going to hope that he can uh, recover I mean we you know he, he was okay last year but we remember a year where he had 30 something home runs right and uh you know he obviously has it in him somewhere and I think they're just going to hope for the best. I think it's, you know, unlikely, unless there's an injury somewhere else where someone's got a second baseman, and it's a team that can afford to add $10 million. I mean, obviously the Rockies lost Brendan Rodgers. They just signed Mike Moustakis to a minor league deal. You know, they're not going to be a team that's going to spend $10 million for a second baseman. It's got to be the right team and the right injury to have a shot there. Otherwise, I think he's the second baseman.
0: Last thing before we let you go, and we thank you for a few minutes of your time. You know, Med fans always in the back of their mind, John, are going to keep an eye out. They're going to look at the box score every time a guy named Jacob deGrom takes the mound. All right? And you've been on this. <laughs> You know, he's your new buddy, Jacob DeGrom. (laughs) You're right. What what have we seen in Texas camp? What have you seen with DeGrom? Uh, And and can he lift what is a heck of a job by Chris Young with that starting rotation? Can the Texas Rangers be the team that breaks through and finally challenges the Houston Astros in the West? Yeah, I'm not sure whether that's challenged Houston
1: to win that division. I could see a playoff run for either Texas or well, Seattle got in last year, finally, or, or the Angels. All three of them uh, look pretty good on paper. Um, you know, they're, it's obviously a free agent heavy team, a free agent shortstop and second base, a half a billion dollars for their DP combination a year ago. And now they've rebuilt their entire uh, rotation. Uh, they are looking much better, as you said. I, I do think there are a lot of questions in terms of health. Uh, you know, they brought in guys who, frankly, uh, don't throw 200 innings anymore. Degrom did not do that, um, you know, and uh, they brought in Heaney, who also does not do that. Do that, and uh, some other guys, and I, I think their rotation is in the top half now, which is a major improvement. But you know, they still gonna have to keep their fingers crossed, particularly with Degrom. Now, I saw him throw a bullpen. He looked amazing. He looks, you know, he's more talented than anybody in the game in terms of pitching. There's no question yeah. about that, and I think it's funny that you noticed he's my new friend because, <laughs> you know, I've been tough on him. I, I yeah. do call him America's uh, highest-paid uh, part-time uh, worker, and uh, he was good to me. He gave 10 minutes alone. There were no other writers, and, you know, he answered a bunch of questions about whether he, what he really thought of New York and his contract and would he have come back, and he answered all affirmatively. He shut, shut down all of the perceptions that we had. I will say this: He didn't act like he loved New York last year. He, te- he seemed to be whatever for whatever reason. He seemed up, he did not seem happy. It might have been the pressure. Might might have been the injury. I don't know. But he said it wasn't New York. It isn't the contract he signed it. He doesn't blame anyone else for it. And uh, you know he's happy to be there. And obviously they off- gave him 185 million. The Mets were really closer to 110. I think tops, not the 120 that was originally reported. So wasn't even really a consideration, so we'll, we'll never know. I mean, if the Mets had offered the same, you could wonder, but they didn't. They, they Texas offered a lot more. They clearly wanted them the most, and nobody would have taken, would have gone back and left $65 million or more on the table. So I can't blame him for that, and I give him credit for, for talking to me because he well knew that I was the one who was the toughest on him probably. You
0: read them in the New York Post. Tell me about the, uh, the, uh, the podcast. You got the one with Joel. What's the other one?
1: Yeah, we got an Odyssey podcast, too, which is FAN. is obviously an Odyssey station. I do that mm-hmm. with uh, Cody Decker or Tony Gwynn Jr. once a week, and uh, we have a lot of fun with that. And I just saw Tony out in, uh, out in the Phoenix, uh, in Peoria, where the Padres train, and uh, he's a great personality, obviously the son of the legend. So we we have a lot of fun with that, and of course we have the New York Post podcast, the show with Joel Sherman, where we get great guests every week, and we will have another great guest this Tuesday. We have had, recently had Sam Fuld on, the Phillies GM, and we had Mike Elias, the Orioles GM, we've had players on, Max Scherzer was kind enough to come on, we had Steve Cohn, Sandy Alderson, Billy Epler, Buck Showalter, Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, they've all been on, so... Uh, if you want to hear what the, the 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 big guys in baseball have to say, you listen to that one as well. But I have fun with the Odyssey one with Tony and uh, Cody Decker too. I'll
0: see you in Tampa in a couple of days, my friend. Thank you for a few all minutes. right, Ricky. Always a pleasure. All right, John Heyman, baseball insider, Odyssey Sports, and as uh, as he mentioned, the Post and uh, and several other places.